Hey, this is John, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org forward slash young adults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. All right, I'm gonna invite our panelists up. Come on, y'all. Probably should have told you. Yeah, you can put your hands together. No, that's all right, Kevin. You can stay back there. Yeah. I'm kidding. You can come. He made a short joke about me, and I was like, we're ready to fight. So, it's all right. Come on. Yeah, you can give him another round. Let's, this is our panelists. And so I'll be just really serving as a moderator more than anything else. Oh, I'm matching my Bible. I didn't even mean that. What's up? Uh, I'm gonna moderate and give like random side comments. Um, anyway, so these are our three panelists. I'm gonna give each of you opportunity just to uh, just share what your name is, um, what you do, and um, yeah, that's it. Like I'm just not for small talk. We got we got really good questions for tonight. So like yeah, just share what you want to share. Thirty seconds each. Ladies first. Everyone, my name is Haley. I'm a licensed mental health counselor. Um, I specialize in eating disorders and trauma and anxiety and depression. But those are the main things I work with, and I also go here to Mosaic. I'm Hannah. I'm one of the worship leaders here at Mosaic, and that's it. <laughs> that's the shortest thing you've ever shortest said. Shortest thing ever. I've ever said. <laughs> if you know Hannah, it's you right. know. Everybody knows you. Uh, what's up, y'all? My name is Kevin Dunn. Why you gotta uh, say it like that? What up, y'all? What My up, name y'all? Kevin. Hey, what up, y'all? It's your boy. What up, what up? Um, I feel like you're gonna drop a mix CD right now. Afterward, yo. you can catch me outside. I got some mix CDs for you to buy. Sorry, we sit next to each other, so it's just... Sorry, I messed you up. Jokes all the time. <laughs> when this dude laughs, you just can't help but laugh. Okay, my name's Kevin Dunn, and my nickname, people call me KD. You have to pause on that. You can't say it too fast. It's not KD. It's not KD. It's KD. Uh, I serve at Mosaic as our pastor of biblical formation. Um, I get to oversee our Bible studies that happen during the week, classes, covenant partnership, deacon ministry. Uh, we have a, a class for older people that are retired that I help lead as well. So lots of discipleship things uh, here at Mosaic. So, yeah. And I have a desk next to this guy. Yeah. So pray for me. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. No, that's, okay. that's sarcasm. I talked about that. I pray for you all the time, bro. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway. All right. Let's just jump into it. Um, what is mental health? How would you define that? Please. Not all at once. <laughs> uh. So mental health, I think we can have a lot of different things in mind when we think of mental health. A lot of things could be like how we are thinking. I know sometimes we think of mental health as we think of, like I've mentioned before, like depression, anxiety, eating disorders, things like that. I think there is also a, not just the emotional component, but there's also a physical component to mental health, which I think we'll talk about a little bit as well. Um, but if we think about like how our brains, I mean, that's kind of where all the thoughts are happening. And inside of our brains, there's like... If we, with, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but with like depression, like there are chemical imbalances, there are changes in the structure of our brain. So if, I like thinking of mental health as like a crossover of both the um, thinking, but also the like little literal physical structures that make up our brain and the physical responses um, that our body has. So if we think about anxiety, there's physical responses there to that as well. Um, but again, we're gonna get into all that. So yeah, like, that's fine. 
I just want to jump off with just... Yeah, uh, so thinking like as, I don't know, pastorally, I would define mental health just thinking about it in distinction from emotional health, relational health, physical health, that I'm thinking about the life of the mind. And when I think about it, like it being healthy, that it's the mind that thinks in light of the realities of the truth of who God is and who I am. Um, And in that sense, we are all uh, mentally unhealthy. Like the Bible even says that our, our minds are like when we're, when we're born, uh, the God of this age, Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Um, and so there's a sense in which we all naturally don't have a complete, perfect, right view of God um, and a right view of self. And so we need redemption. We need a new mind, a transformed mind uh, to come and give us new hearts, new minds, new way of thinking. Um, And that's what Jesus came to do by the spirit of God. And um, we can now by the spirit renew our minds uh, and be transformed, thinking more accurately about him and about ourselves and and grow in health and one Mm. day in glory have actual complete mental health. And we long for that day. Mm. Mm. And so what it sounds like that there seems to be an overlap between our mental health and the other, the other healths that we have, right? So like mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, physical health. How, how would you say mental health interacts with those other spheres of our lives? Like holistically speaking, great, right? because we're not just our minds, but we have these other aspects of, of ourselves. So how, how do you say mental health interacts with those other spheres or impacts it? Yeah, I don't want to talk too much, so I'll look at y'all before. Okay, um, yeah, so the Bible talks a lot about our hearts, right? And so Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else uh, for part, I mean, sorry, yeah, guard your heart above, above all else for from it flows everything that you do. It's the wellspring of life. And so when the Bible talks about your heart, it's not like talking about this physical organ in your chest. Uh, the heart in Jewish uh, ancient culture was the seat of your thinking, your feeling, your doing, like everything was censored in your heart. Therefore, everything flows from it. And actually, and I'm sure you can add to this um, in your uh, education, but there's something called cognitive behavior therapy, um, which like encompasses our thinking, our feeling and our doing. So like this picture that I learned in counseling was like you have like your heart and then you have these concentric circles that flow out from your heart. So from our hearts flow our thinking, like what we think about God, what we think about ourselves, what we think about um, I don't know, other people and and dignity and things like that. And then you have feelings, like what you value and what you cherish and what you deem is is worthy of your time or your happiness and your sadness. Like you have these feelings that are rooted in the way that you think and the way even like your brain is structured. And then out of our feeling, we we act. Like we act according to what we desire and what we uh, see as cherishable. And um, all of it is rooted all together. So though they can be separated in a sense. They're all overlapping and intertwined uh, together. There's a complexity to our hearts. Um, Jeremiah 17, I think, says that like the heart is desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Um, Or Psalm 139, search my heart, O God. Test me, know me, discern my thoughts um, and see if there be any grievous way in me Uh, because we can't understand our hearts on our own. There's so much complexity there that I need God. I need good counsel to help draw out my heart um, in a way that I can't on my own. And I think from my personal experience, like I've come to find that in mental health, whether you struggle with anxiety, OCD, depression, so much of what you feel like 
is in in that symptomatically is found physically as well. And so whether that is like panic attacks or depression, what comes with that, like there's so much that is connected. And so knowing like, hey, what I'm feeling mentally is also like very much so in my physical response as well is like just such an important thing to remember as you're dealing with mental health is like it is a full body experience, not just in your mind. And so I think that's a really big part of the battle is recognizing the totality of it all together. So. I just love what they're saying. Um, so I'm just going to go off of a little bit of what um, Kevin was mentioning off of um, cognitive behavior therapy, because it is really true about how our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors all, are all really intertwined. And what Caesar was asking about physical health and you know even other par- parts that tie into that, like for instance, if we're taking care of our bodies by nourishing ourselves and making sure that we're eating enough, iced coffee is not a meal. So making sure we're actually eating like... <laughs> protein for breakfast, things like that, whatever we need to give our bodies, it's actually allowing our guts to make serotonin. Not to get like too sciencey, but I'm like, <laughs> there's important things in there. Um, also, even if so, we're- So what's serotonin? Serotonin is a uh, neurotransmitter that our brain manufactures and it helps us feel good. It helps us feel happy. A lot of antidepressants actually help our brains contain a little bit more of that happy chemical in there. So you're saying um, water makes us happy? Water, or it's made in our brains, but it's also made in our guts. Let's go. So by eating and nourishing and hydrating, we're also impacting those things too. So yeah, so just like our behaviors can also impact our feelings as well, just how we feel in a perceived situations and things like that. So mm. you mentioned CBT and I was like, yes, it's good. It's good I figured stuff. you like that. Yes. Yeah, it's, it, it's funny you say that when I, um, when I used to see clients, the, our, our uh, professors would, would say, hey, often... Most like when most people come to see you, just ask them uh, how many hours how many hours of sleep are you getting? Um, are you eating well? Um, are you taking any drugs? So it's like uh, they would call it the gra- grandma's recipe. You know, like if you ever go to your grandma's house, like like man, you don't look you you look like you haven't been fed in a while. Come and eat. Or are you sleeping enough? It's like these things that we take for granted, but the eight hours of sleep, the, you know, however cups of water you're supposed to drink, I don't know. I have a small bladder, so I try not to drink too much. But, uh, or eating well, or exercise, or seeing sunlight. Like that's like the whole, you know, Huberman thing. It's like, you know, the first thing you do, get sunlight, because it, whatever. I'm also not a morning person, so I ignore it. Uh, but I probably, <laughs> probably, my health would be a little bit better. Um, so, can I add something or add another question? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Add. I was going to ask a question, but go ahead. I think it's helpful to know like the way our bodies are designed, that we are body and soul. And our souls affect our bodies and our souls uh, affect our bodies, like vice versa. Like we are uh, intertwined uh, duality of body and soul. So for instance, like if I, if I don't eat, then if you've experienced it before, like you might get hangry and your soul is less patient. Like it's more quick to anger because you haven't nourished your body, right? Or if you haven't had enough sleep, right? It's hard to, uh, to pray and meditate on the Lord and to be drawn into intimacy with him. Or like if you have unconfessed sin, like your soul might be filled with guilt and shame. Like Psalm 32 um, talks about how it's, it's blessed to, to confess. Like when I, when I confessed my sin, I was, I was free. And uh, he said, when I, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Like when I kept my guilt and my shame, my sin in, and I didn't confess it, my body was, felt like it was dying. Like, and so there's this intertwine between our bodies and our souls. They both affect one another. Mm. So it's important to keep those two in mind. It's, it's funny you say that because it reminds me of that scene when Elijah, um, he, like, he had just brought fire down from 
heaven, literally called fire to come down, uh, destroys the prophets of Baal and uh, Jezebel. Like, like you, you know, I think about this, right? Like, have you ever like brought anything down from heaven? No. And so if you brought fire from heaven, you'd feel pretty hot. So I'm like, whoa, I can bring fire down from heaven. Like, ain't no one gonna mess with me. Jezebel is his queen. And he's like, I'm gonna put your head on a spike. He leaves, he runs away. He's like, ah, no. And so he runs away into the desert. And yeah, just like that, you know? Uh, oh no. And so he goes and he's, he's uh, in the desert and God's remedy is, uh, Elijah, go take a nap. And then he sends angels to bring him food. It was like, that's like the craziest thing. Like even God knew that a little food and a nap goes a long way. Um, but it does because our, both our spiritual life and our physical life are intertwined with one another. That's right. D.A. Carson once said that sometimes the godliest thing that you can do is sleep. Amen. So good. Praise I receive it. <laughs> it's all the people probably that don't get sleep either. They're like, yeah, I'm gonna try tonight. If I don't hit Netflix up first. Anyway, so let, before we move on to another section, and it wasn't part of original questions, but I'm, as I'm hearing you guys talk, let me, it might be a little spicy, but can non-believers experience holistic healing in terms of their mental health? Or as another way to put it, can only Christians experience wholeness in their mental health? Because you're saying there's this tie, right? Like there's this overlap. And if, belie- and if non-believers are spiritually dead, then I, I would imagine there'd be, there would be elements of death in their other parts of their lives. No matter how much therapy they have, how much exercise or sleep they're getting. But for the believer who's been brought from death to life, would you say then it's reasonable to say, honestly, only Christians can experience wholeness in their mental health? No. Be, and so to, to an extent, uh, okay. I would say that to clarify what I said earlier, uh, yes, we need our minds redeemed and transformed by the power of the spirit of God, but every person is an image bearer of God. Mm. Um, and I think that there are ways that, so to say that we all need mental health, we need redemption of our minds, transformation of our minds, is not to say that people that are unbelievers only think like completely evil, awful, terrible thoughts all the time. I think unbelievers can think good things. They can think kind things. They can think human dignifying things. And I think those are mentally healthy ways of viewing life the way that it's supposed to be lived. Um, I think think that there's an incompleteness there because what is the kindness for? What is the purpose? Like God doesn't care just what we do or what we think, but why we think it. Mm. We think to his glory. Like we're not just kind, we're kind to glorify him, to image him forth. It's not just like, oh, I'm this kind person. I want everyone to view me as kind. Like I want to lift up the glory of Jesus Christ in my kindness. So I think there's a level of image bearing that even unbelievers have in, in common grace um, in ways they can think more clearly and, and truthfully about the world that God made. Uh, but I think believers um, have the edge of the power of the spirit to think rightly about the glory of God, more completely about the fullness of who he is Mm. in ways that unbelievers are blind to, are dead to in their minds, Mm. spiritually speaking. Let me move on. Okay. I just had a question. Anyway. A caveat. By the way, 
at any point of anything that I say, I am, I am a human being and I am limited. I say things that are not completely all there all the time. I'm, I'm sure everyone would say this too. But after this, I would love if you would come to me and say, hey, like that didn't make total sense to me or I disagree with that because of this. Like I would totally receive that and have conversation with you. Uh, these things are controversial things, even among believers. Um, and so we can still love each other. We can still disagree with one another and have a kind, helpful conversation. So please, if you feel any of that, uh, please come have a conversation with us afterward. Just want to throw that in. Yeah, in fact, if I say anything wrong, you can also talk to him instead of me. Uh, you can direct everything that Kevin done for tonight. Um, before we move on to um, more specific uh, mental disorders, um, I, I do think it's worth talking about this person asked, how can we go about not being formed by our feelings? And so really, I think the question behind there is, how are Christians to think about and interact with their emotions? Um, if you see me looking down, it's because the pregnancy brain won't allow me to retain all my thoughts all at once. So I got a little note thing here. Um, but... Uh, a really helpful phrase that I've heard before is feelings are indicators, not truth tellers. Mm. Um, so feelings are really great and really helpful. And we want to listen to our feelings and say like, hey, what am I feeling right now? We don't want to shut our feelings down, anything like that. Um, but we know feelings are not always reflective of what's true or what's going like, of, some people say of reality, but I just like saying what's true, right? Because let's say I wake up and I'm like, oh, no one loves me. Like, or my friend didn't text me back. Like, she must be so mad at me and now I feel terrible about myself and we can all kind of go down these like spirals. So it's really good to listen and say like, hey, what am I feeling? Like, what is my feeling indicating right now? Like anger, like what is my anger indicating right now? Like saying like anger is a protective emotion. So actually getting curious about it instead of saying like, I shouldn't feel anger, I shouldn't do that. Um, but just an example of how they can be Truth, tell, or truth tellers or not, because feelings, right? They could say like, I'm in a really safe relationship with this person. When that person might actually be an abusive partner, but our feelings might be just based off past experiences. We might be used to that from what we grew up with. So it might be saying this person is safe when this person might not be safe and vice versa. So I could be in a safe relationship. You're just my friendship right here. I could be in a really safe friendship, but I could be like, my brain could be getting signals of like, oh, this feels like, like doesn't feel safe, but it doesn't mean that's necessarily true. But it's good to get curious about those things and say like, okay, well, why am I feeling this way? Um, like, why am I feeling like this is not a safe relationship? Like, should I be listening to this? Let me get counsel from a friend or a pastor or something like that. So I think that's just a good way of viewing feelings as like, hey, like they're good advisors, but they're terrible rulers in that sense. So if we just mm. let them rule, they're just going to run with us. But if we can kind of scale it back, like think, think a little, not critically, but think about how we're thinking, think about how we're feeling, I think it can be helpful. Mm. So it sounds like what you're saying is emotions are actually immensely valuable um, to our, just our daily life. Right? Is that, is that a fair assumption or a fair assessment? And so I love what you said, that emotions are good indicators, but not always truth tellers. Which I think, is, I think it's worth taking note, like write that down and, and commit that. I think honestly, I'm gonna commit that to memory because how often are we guided by our emotion, right? Like, or how, how many, how many times, anybody feel like they've ever been misrepresented? Like you, you, right? Or you ha end up having a conversation with someone and you're like, 
oh, that isn't, I thought you didn't like me. Or I thought, this happens with KD all the time. I, sometimes I'm like, I say a joke and he didn't laugh. And I, I'm like, man, he doesn't think I'm funny. He, didn't, he has AirPods in, that's why. I am funny, you know? And so he just didn't have his AirPods in. But we had that miscommunication. And I feel a little like, dang, man, like, why you gotta do me like that? So, but we, we, we do that in those, you know, I was joking, but we have those moments where it's like, our emotions aren't invalid, but immensely valuable. And uh, I had a thought, I, mean, I feel like I have pregnancy brain now. Is that, can you, can you, can you transfer that? Is that, that possible? Dang, I had a thought. Did you have a thought? That sounds like a mental health issue to me. Yeah, though. probably. I don't know. <laughs> I did have a thought. The Lord doesn't want me to say it. That's fine. Probably better. It's going to come back to you. You're not thinking about it. It probably will. Yeah. Anyway, so, set myself up. Were you going to say something? No. Okay, cool. Um, so let, let's, I, I, we, I kind of broke down the rest of the questions based on specific mental disorders, uh, which you guys had asked about. So the first one we're going to address is um, anxiety. Um, I also kind of grouped it with ADHD, which isn't exactly fair to tie them, but, but perception-wise, they can feel, they both, when you experience someone who has ADHD or experience someone who does have uh, anxiety, high levels of anxiety, they can kind of give you this same feeling. You're like, that's a lot, you know? And that's, so that's kind of why I grouped them together. But um, how would you say it is, so this person in particular has so, social anxiety. So I, I love this question. How do I best deal with my social anxiety? I feel like I have so much potential to be used by God through serving my community, but social anxiety is stopping me. How would you address their social anxiety? Um, I am no expert. I just am someone who has journeyed um, with battling anxiety for since I was four. So about 20 years um, of just really praying a lot. And um, I think for my journey and what I have come to find um, is that anxiety, first of all, is such a tough battle. So I think whenever I um, know that people are experiencing something like that, I just, my first reaction is I'm, I'm so sorry. Like truly like it's the mental health world is so tough and um, anxiety is so tough. Um, but truly like God I think what the biggest thing that he reminds me of constantly is like that he is our Prince of Peace and he is our healer. And so that looks and comes in different ways and it's not the same for everyone. Um, but we like, if we are in Jesus, like we will experience his peace and his presence and his comfort. Um, and that has been one of the biggest things for me in my journey is just knowing that God is with me and I like am never alone in what I'm experiencing. Um, but two, I would say anxiety is not a, like it's not a blanket statement. It looks different for every single person that experiences it. So what my anxiety might look like in my life is could be very different from what other people experience. And so knowing the journey of dealing and feeling anxiety is also like, it's very different when it comes to healing as well and what that looks like for you. And so the different things that we could like say, like that might work for me or someone else might not work for you and your situation and that is okay and normal and I think finding like what is like knowing like we talked about earlier like knowing ourselves and who we are and how God made us is so important because how like that it all ties into what our healing journey like will look like um and so for me I know like anxiety a big thing in 
with it is finding like what is the root of your anxiety. I think like our symptoms tell a lot of things. So like, I don't know what symptomatically you might experience, but if it's like panic or fear or whatever the thing is, it's like, what is at the root of like my fear? And then like, if I have social anxiety, like, and if I'm fearful of being in a crowd of people or one-on-ones or going into different situations, speaking on stage, whatever it might be, like, what is the root of what I'm feeling? Because if you can find the root of what your anxiety is, then everything that follows, you'll like, know this is coming from this place. And oftentimes, like, our anxiety, um, I don't even like to say our or my, uh, the anxiety that we're dealing with is, like, found from different places. So if you've experienced traumatic experiences in your life, your anxiety can be born from that. Or like for me, I was four and I was like, I don't even know, like I'm four years old, you know? And so I think like it's different for everyone, but if you can find the root and knowing like who you are, then you can go from there and say, okay, like if my, like this is the root of my anxiety, what's the worst thing that can happen in this scenario? Like I'm so fearful of this happening, but what is the absolute worst thing that can happen? And then like, and will I make it through that worst thing? And the answer is yes. Like if we're in Jesus, like if death is the last thing, like we will make it, you know, inherently is like what I've like prayed through is like no matter what my biggest fear is, like if I have Jesus, I have everything. So really like I can face what I'm fearful of and what my anxiety is because Jesus ultimately is my greatest treasure and my greatest prize and he is with me. Um, But I think locating like in that, what is the worst case scenario? What is the worst thing that can happen? And like how, and then going from there of like, okay, I'm going to face this step by step. So like practically speaking, like I, if, if showing up to something is scary, like the first thing that you can do is pull into that parking lot and saying like, okay, I'm here. That like, this is the first thing that I have to do. And if you can get there and that's all you do, great. You know, like knowing, like knowing yourself is different than like me and Haley are very different people and our anxiety, if we both struggle with anxiety, like it would look different. And so she could walk into this room just fine, but I might not be able to. But if I can get into the parking spot, like that is a win in, in that journey, you know? And then the next thing from there is like, okay, I can just make it inside. And knowing it's not like this big thing that you have to conquer tomorrow, but like knowing that it can be a step-by-step journey for the rest of your life um, is kind of like where I start from a practical standpoint. I like for the first half of the question of just like knowing yourself and spending a lot of time praying with the Lord of like, God, can you reveal to me like what the root of my fear is? And also like what I, like what fear do I have or where am I not trusting that you have me in? Um, is often a big time, like big piece of where my anxiety lies. Um, and I think too, for the second half of that question, um, I think that God, like his promise to us is, is that he is working in all things um, and working all things for our good and his glory. And so whether or not we think that we are um, like really God is going to do what he's going to do and he's working in you no matter if you show up, if you don't show up to something um, and he's doing far more than we could ever imagine. Um, and so, yeah, I would just say like, I know for me in my past, like I felt like my journey with anxiety has prohibited me from being used by God. But in those seasons, he's done far more than I could have ever like known or imagined it than in any other. Like if I showed up to something, like it wouldn't change what God did in my life, you know? And it's like, God's using you and using this season for far more than you can imagine or know. And so um, I think for me in my experience it's like uh, my anxiety is not bigger than God and so knowing like 
he is the final say and the final word. And what I think doesn't dictate what he's doing. So, Thanks, Hannah. Yeah, I, I just want to, I just want to make a, a clear statement. If you are struggling with mental health, you are not disqualified from serving the people of God. You are not disqualified from the kingdom. You're not disqualified from service. You are not damaged goods. You are valuable. So the person who wrote this, who feels like you have so much potential, that is true. God has so much to do in and through you. And what the enemy would like you to do is to submit to your anxiety or submit to the lie that because you struggle, therefore God can't use you. If you look at the Bible, the only people that God used are broken people. That's the only, that's the only thing. Every person that God used in the scriptures are broken people. So if you feel like, man, I, I can't, I just, I, I can't, I don't qualify. No, you absolutely qualify because God does use. So I just want to say that, but in kind of response to what you're saying, and I love just that, that, that reality of, man, I need to identify where, where is that root fear, that core uh, ache that you, that you feel that, that, that is triggering that level of anxiety. And, and it just kind of reminds me like, I think sometimes as a church, we, can, we, we, we do really a poor job, I think, about, so I actually kind of remember what I was gonna talk about, but it's this thing called spiritual bypassing, okay? And what spiritual bypassing is, so you have a negative emotion come your way and the response is, but God's good. Oh, no, God's good. No, no, like, hey, are you feeling bad? Yeah, you know what, I'm having a rough day, but God's good. You know, and it's, you put down a bumper sticker. Like, like listen, God is good. That hasn't changed, but you actually dishonor and insult God when you're using that as a, as, a, as, a, as a cover to deal with the thing that is most inhibiting you. God is so good that he desires for you not to stay in that place. That's actually how good God is. Isn't that like, oh, I feel this negative emotion, but God's good, so I shouldn't feel this way. Anybody have a bad day before? Is God still good? Does he care for you? Will he handle it with you? Like, right, like, yeah. And then suddenly now that answer of God is good means so, I think, like, means so much more than just like, oh yeah, if I feel bad, God, it's good. Like, no, God is so good that he will, he will handle the thing that is most inhibiting, whether it is your social anxiety or any other um, thing that we talk about tonight. You wanna say something? Yeah, this is just a, a is this on? Yeah, this is just a little side note that kind of came to my mind when you were talking. There's like a coping skill called living in the and. So it's instead of saying like, I'm having a bad day, but God is still good. You know, it's kind of that like, but the comma, but kind of gives us a, it's like when someone says like, I love you, but it almost negates the first part of the sentence. So it's like, if we can say like, um, I'm having a bad day and God is still good. It's a very simple and small reframe that some people use and it just helps us acknowledge both and say, I can be having a bad day. I can be going through the worst thing in my life and still acknowledge that God is still good. Um, so just almost that little little tool. And if you can start using this in conversations with people and it can, can be a little transformative instead of saying like, but, you know. Um, so yeah, just kind of living in the and instead of the comma, but in those things can really help us hold space for two things at the same time add to that, like how I use kind of the same tool, but a little bit different language. 
I'll, what I do is like in worry or social anxiety or any kind of anxiety, we what if, like what if this happens? What if that happens? And our, our imaginations go wild with all these scenarios where we might be harmed or might enter into something dangerous. And so with me, like it's what if this happens? What if that happens? But I've learned to fight my what ifs with even ifs. Um, and even ifs are rooted in God's promises rather than my made up possibilities. So like, what if like, I go to young adults on Thursday night and people don't like me or people don't think I'm funny or people reject me. What I can do, like as I'm sitting in my car, is I can say, man, even if I walk in there and they reject me, if God is for me, who can be against me? Like, even if I walk in there and people like do something dangerous to me, like even if, what shall separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus? I'm, I'm still held in the hands and the arms of Christ Jesus forever and ever. And my experience in this room is not gonna change that. Uh, like I can bank on the promises of God to hold me um, and not rest in, it's not even rest, not even try to hold on to my possibilities. Um, and so I think God's promises can throw you into those moments where anxiety would keep you from. Anyway, it's powerful. I want to. I just want to so add, like, getting into um, the root piece, and I would just want to submit this, like, just truthfully and, and gently and graciously. Like, I have a level of struggling with social anxiety as well. And you're like, "What? You're a pastor? They're sitting on stage in front of a couple hundred people." Um, like, man, I, I, I struggle with it too. Like, most of you have never seen me on stage on Sunday morning. It's because I struggle with social anxiety. Like, Brady will come and ask me, "Hey, will you preach in this coming series?" And I will say, hey, "I'm just." I can't do that right now. I mean, I, I know that I can, but I, I just would really struggle because I think too much about what people think about me. Uh, there was in the fall, we had to read baptism stories, you know, as we do on Sunday mornings for baptisms. And I did the first service where I read the baptism stories. And in between services, I, I told Brady, he's like, hey, I can't do that again. <laughs> I was like, and Brady stepped in for me and substituted for me. I couldn't do that anymore. And for me, like, I, I know that I've struggled with and I've grown by God's grace a lot to get to this place where I can speak in front of people is purely renewing my mind and growth in God's grace. Um, but for me, it, it comes down to the fact it, it's unbelief. It's, it's fear of man. The Bible talks a lot about the fear of man, that I care more about what you think about me than what God thinks about me. I care more about what you can do to me than what God will do for me than when I stand on the stage and trust him to be with me. And that's unbelief. That God, I don't believe you enough that you're trustworthy enough to hold on to me as I step out in front of people. Like the Bible says in Proverbs 29, uh, that the, the fear of man lays a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord is safe. Um, and so I would just admit like that to you to explore in your heart as a possible root. Do I care way more about what people think about me than what God thinks about me? And then like, not as a point of guilt or just like conviction, but like let that conviction lead you to grace and to like hope because there is hope for our sin. Like I can own my sin and my unbelief and take that to King Jesus and have it transformed ongoingly as I'm being sanctified by his spirit. So there's hope for you. Like, and maybe you've never explored that as a possibility, the root of your social anxiety. It is the root of mine. And I'm growing in grace because I'm confessing that over and over and bringing it to God and believing more and more as I become more like Jesus until I reach glory. So that could be a possibility as well. I would submit to you. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta keep you humble. Just kidding, I love you. Um, but I do wanna, <clears throat> I think I wanna hold this in, in tension for a moment because so 
the verse that came to mind as we we're talking about this, Philippians 4, 4 6, it says, uh, but even back up, uh, the end of verse five, the Lord is at hand. Therefore, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. So like, I feel like that has captured much of what we've been saying. Don't, don't ignore the emotion, uh, address it, but don't address it alone. Like, because we get stuck on this. Do not be anxious. Anybody anxious before? Okay, technically, if you read it like that, you're a sinner, you've sinned. So the first moment you said it, you sinned. But but that's not the whole context of it. He said, Paul says, the Lord is a hand. He said, listen, your anxiety cannot stand in the presence of God because the Lord is at hand. So don't be anxious about anything. Instead, when anxiousness does arise, when that emotion comes up, the, the response is in, by praying and supplication with thanksgiving. Really, that's just worship. When you worship God, you're, you're acknowledging that he's there. His presence is there. He's for you. And he says, let your requests be made known to God. So you take this anxious feeling that you've got, you take it to God and the promises, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, meaning not that your circumstances has changed or your biochemistry has changed, but simply that because he is there, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It doesn't even say that the anxiety will necessarily flee, but it does say that he will guard you and your mind in Christ Jesus. So you have that, right? So we have this experience where that's happening. Like I'm, I'm giving it to God. I'm, I'm bringing it to God, and I feel, but I still feel this anxiety. Why don't I feel this? And then you have this other end I think it's, it's worth talking about, and it's worth talking about, I think, because I think, the, the, so the word is trauma, but because we, I think we abuse that word. Everything, listen, we live in a trauma culture, so we excuse, we excuse everything because of trauma. So you, you do this because you have trauma, and I, I don't do this because I have trauma, and I hate my parents because of trauma, and I can't be with people because of trauma, and, and not to negate that trauma is a reality, but when that's the, the, like the focal point of your entire existence, You've made an excuse out of something that's meant to be really helpful for people, but particularly with anxiety, anxiety is a trauma response. It is a, it is a there's this book called um, The Body Keeps a Score. A, and if you ever want to read it, not maybe get on Audible. It's, I think it's worth it. And what, and what The Body Keeps a Score, what, and it's not a Christian book. Um, it's, a, it's a secular publication. And so what psychologists say is, listen, the experiences, every experience from the moment you're born till that point, every experience, every emotion, every thought, everything that you've ever felt is actually contained within the cells of your body. So that, that, that's why there are times if, you, if, you've, if you've ever, if you, suffer, if you struggle with anxiety, if there are certain trigger points, if you've noticed that there are certain things that when it happens, no matter how, no matter how different that circumstance might be, it just causes the anxiety to, to rise up with you in you. You don't know why, it doesn't make any sense, but it's because your body remembers that trauma response and, and, and you start moving into, oh, here's my anxiety. And so the reason I bring that up is because sometimes we say, okay, we read this verse, do not be anxious in anything. And we hear, and listen, Nothing against what, I love what you said. King Jesus is great. He's sovereignly on the throne. In his presence, we have safety. He is amazing. That is all true. But what happens 
as a Christian, when these trauma response occurs, right, and then they're like, I've done that thing you've told me to. I've submitted, I've prayed, I've asked, but this still wells up within me. Does this, not, does this mean that I don't trust God? Does this mean that I don't have enough faith? How do, how do we talk to those people who, who genuinely have this response because of an accident, because of a death, because of whatever? That's not like, a, that's not like an unbelief. I th- you know, we can talk about that. It's, I don't know if it's unbelief as much as it's a physical response. How do we counsel? How do we love? How do we care? How do we direct people? Who's, who have a biological response to that, something that they cannot control and it rises up in them? Yeah, it's a really good question. And thank you for adding that. So I think when the Bible uses, like for instance, Jesus in Matthew 6, says three times, therefore, do not be anxious. Therefore, do not be anxious. Therefore, do not be anxious. Three times um, alongside Philippians 4. Um, that when the Bible uses the word anxious, it's talking about a worry that fleshes itself out and I'm imagining the future and the future is dangerous and it's absent of God. Um, it's absent of his promises and it's unsafe. And so it's this worry that's rooted in unbelief. Now, anxiety is a common word that's thrown around a lot in our culture. There's all kinds of definitions for anxiety. And so it's helpful to know like the word for anxiety, don't be anxious in scripture is a worry rooted in unbelief. Now there are other kinds of anxiety in our culture that are not attached to that word. And word like, so like there's this like, yeah, we're bodies that like things happen to. So if your bodies aren't getting the right food and the right sleep, you might feel like your body is something happening to it and you might name it anxiety, but that's not what the Bible's talking about. Like the Bible's like not saying like obey this like command to like make these physical responses go away. Um, it's talking about do not worry. Do not be filled with the unbelief, lacking the trust that God can be with you and hold on to you. Um, and so I think it's just hard because words are so fluid. And when you throw out a word, there's so many people that perceive them differently. But when Jesus says, do not be anxious, he's basically saying, do not worry. Or a lot of other times in scripture, all throughout the Old Testament, do not fear for I am with you. That's a command. Do not fear. Um, and I, and I would say that the Bible is inviting us into something different than what you were just talking about. Mm. I think to your question, um, I think for me in my, uh, like similar to what Kevin was saying with the uh, what if versus the even if, um, that was a big thing for me to wrestle with the last couple of years. Um, because so for my job here at Mosaic, I um, lead worship and I love it. Um, but there was a season when my anxiety got um, worse after my sister passed away. So I, uh, suddenly was like dealing with a lot of grief and I didn't know how to control and deal with the anxiety that I was feeling. Um, and to a point where I was like, I couldn't, like I couldn't do anything without like struggling with anxiety. Um, and things that I, like leading worship that I loved, I would get on stage and I was like, I would start pulling out my hair and I would go to the back to throw up. And I would like things there, I was like, I have zero control over my body and I don't know why. Um, And so I think a part of that is like, I I prayed a lot in that season of like, I feel like someone with the like least amount of trust in Jesus right now, because I like know what he said and I know what I've prayed and believed in and and all these things. And here I am doubting that I'll be able to do anything again, you know? Um, And I think for me at that point in my life, um, in which we'll get into this, but I, so it was around 2021 where I was like, I need to go 
to a doctor because I like am struggling. And so I went to a psychiatrist for the first time and I like remember struggling because I was like, man, this world is like, people have so many thoughts and opinions about psychiatry, about medication, about all this stuff. Um, but I was at my last resort. Like I was like, God, I cannot live anymore like this. Like this is running me. Um, and so I went and the lady that I went to was so kind and she was like, truly like medication for you is, would be the best thing. And I remember sitting there and I was like, does this make me like, what is, what, you know? Um, and truly like, I like prayed about it and I started medication and it changed my life. Like I was able to start processing what the anxiety that I was feeling was or like what, like I could think about it. Like I'd be on stage and I was like, well, if I throw up, like what's the worst thing that happens? And I was like, like, I, like I'm not like freaking out anymore about it because like I'll throw up and that's fine. But it was like for the first time in my life where I could actually think about what I was fearful of because my brain was chemically imbalanced and things were not normal compared to other people. And so I think realizing too, anxiety and anxiety disorders are different from each other and knowing like, is what I'm feeling in certain situations just anxiety or do I have an actual anxiety disorder and knowing the difference between those. And then too, knowing like, hey, there's a point when like for me in my life where medication was what I needed to do for my healing along with counseling and, and going to my people and like saying like, this has been really hard, like pray with me. Like there's so many things, but I think knowing like just because you are anxious does not mean that you're not trusting in God. Like there's a, it's a part of a whole big picture of like anxiety is a health thing and knowing like there are components where medication and other things would be helpful to individual cases. And maybe not to everybody, like I don't know everyone's journey, but like for me, I know that was mine. And so that was a big wrestle that I had Caesar um, for a while. And so I know like just acknowledging like, okay, what has God shown me? Like, and I know like I'm called not to fear, but what are the other pieces of this in my healing journey that I should press into and seek help in and do? Um, So those are just some thoughts on that. Just to speak real quick to the piece on um, what you were saying about if someone's having these recurrent like physiological responses to whether it's anxiety or if they have been through some sort of trauma, um, there are even like therapies now, especially, you know, Caesar mentioned the book, The Body Keeps the Score, which really broke a lot of ground in this area, um, but that actually incorporate not just talking about it. So there's, there's ways in, instead of just being like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to therapy and I'm going to talk about the bad thing that happened to me. There's like very specific forms of therapy that actually link um, the body and the mind connection. I won't go into all of them because I will talk for way too long about all of them, but it actually, like there is hope and there is healing in some of those things. So I do think medication can be super helpful and we'll talk about that probably more. Um, And just knowing that like, if you're noticing like, hey, I'm having the same physical response or physiological, like emotional response to these things over and over and over again, um, there really is like very helpful forms of therapy out there that I'd be more than happy to, if you ever wanted to talk about what those are, um, I'd be more than happy to share those with you. But there is those like avenues of healing for all that. So, yeah. Uh, I just realized what time it was. Um, And we have still a, yeah, I know. We still have so many amazing questions um, that I want to address, but I'm not quite sure. So I'm going to try to, uh, if I could ask the panelists, uh, if I ask a question, uh, 
Just one person hit it and then we'll, we'll try. And, and so just let you know, uh, if you've asked a question, you feel like there wasn't a sufficient answer, please come talk to us afterward because we, we do wanna answer. We, we do wanna guide you through this. We want to walk with you through this. And so it's not like we don't care about the question, it's time. And so we wanna honor uh, your time and we'd recognize you all have work tomorrow and we just want to uh, break as we've promised to break um, by nine. So um, we'll just move towards uh, the conversation about uh, depression. Um, how, uh, I'll just ask this, Kevin, how would you say you biblically fight depression? Hang out with you. Oh, well, that's <laughs> Told you I'm funny. That's, uh, that's kind. <laughs> No, for real. Um, so, oh man, uh, how do you biblically fight depression? I mean, I think because we have a short amount of time and, and imagining just if you're sitting here and you say like, man, I, I struggle with depression. Um, and maybe you already do this, but I, I'm, I'm talking to someone who hasn't like done this yet. Talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. Like I said, Psalm 32, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Like, and the New Testament invites us to carry one another's burdens. There's just something beautiful and helpful and healing when we walk in community. And Satan talks two times in the Bible to people. He talks to Eve when she's alone and he talks to Jesus when he's alone in the wilderness, when people are isolated, when they're alone. And there, Satan would love for you to stay alone the lies of deceit grow in the soil of isolation. And I would just say to you and invite you like lovingly and talk to someone, like talk to a pastor, talk to Haley, she's awesome, like, or a therapist, a counselor, and, and, and flesh out what you're feeling. There's something even that's helpful and brings a sense of peace by just talking about your emotions. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, walk in community, bring it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, just in a concise, quick thing, I would say that. Thanks, Kevin. The, uh, the next question, we won't address it, not, be- not because it's not important, but I, I, I think it requires so much more time. But this person asked about suicide and um, we just don't, ha- yeah, we just don't have the, the bandwidth today to, to talk about this. But if this is you or if this is a question, either you are having su- suicidal ideations, you have suicidal thoughts, you have a plan. Uh, if there's anything, if you just, as, as even Kevin mentioned, you just like, I cannot, I just can't imagine another day. And you were hoping to come here and get an answer. Um, do please do not leave this space without talking to someone. Like I, I beg you, I, I will stay here like I will literally stay here with you all night if I have to, myself. And Rachel will allow it. And we will, I will stay with you to talk through it. I care that much about whoever asked this question. Um, suicide does not have to be the final uh, chapter of your story. It just doesn't. Jesus has so much more for you. Uh, Jesus, his, name's, his name literally means Yahweh saves. Jesus means God saves. He saved, he wants to save you for life and life abundantly. So if this is you and you're just like, trust me, we care about this question. I care about you, we care about you. Please, 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 please do not leave. I urge you, please do not leave this space without talking to one of us. Um, I wanna address, uh, we've kind of talked about it briefly, um, medication. 
And so, uh, Haley, if you would, uh, I'd love just to hear your perspective on this. Uh, this person says, I've been praying for my mental health to get better. But at what point does it become okay to get on medication? And I think I'd love to hear your, your perspective as well, pastorally, but, but just as a, as a, I know you're not, you wouldn't label yourself as a Bible, like a biblical counselor. You are a counselor who is Christian, so you have a Christian worldview. But when you're talking to your clients or even if a Christian was to come to you, to your practice, uh, obviously you can't prescribe because you're not a psychiatrist. So that's another thing. Psychologists cannot prescribe, psychiatrists can prescribe. And I'm not a psychologist. And you're not that either. So you're a mental health counselor. Sorry, I can't do that. You are right. There are, listen, people, they care. They very much care about being called the right thing. You're right, I forgot about that. But um, if someone were to come to your practice as a mental health counselor and, and they're trying to have this conversation as a Christian, like, I, I, what, what, would you, what would you advise them as they consider maybe getting on medication? I think it's a great question and a great consideration. Um, and, you know, praying about your mental health is great and praying for um, certain things in that area is wonderful. And I, I'm gonna reference a story in the Bible, so I will look at you if I'm saying something wrong. But um, I know the story of when Jesus healed the blind man, um, he kind of just like walked up to him and was like, you're healed, you know? It could have been that form of like deliverance, but he chose to pick up some dirt, spit in it, put it on his eyes and then said, okay, now go wash off in the pool. Like Jesus chose to use a physical thing for someone's healing. I think medication can be used in the same way. I think um, it can be used, I know like you were saying in your story that um, like it helped almost like take the edge off is what the language I use, like almost so you can think clearly. So I know even with um, depression, sometimes, like the things, the things to get better from depression are often the things that are hardest to do when you're feeling depressed. So going outside, uh, not isolating, doing those things. So medication can be a helpful component in just even getting the motivation to do those things. You know, maybe you just need a little bit more serotonin in the brain. There's more medications out there than that. But um, so yeah, so I think that it can be a really good and helpful consideration. It doesn't necessarily need to be the first resort. And I also don't think it should be the only resort of just like saying, hey, just take this pill and you'll, you'll magically feel better. I do think you need to get to the root of some of those things, um, whether that's through counseling, community, whatever is gonna be the healthiest way for you. Um, so yeah, I would say it's, it's definitely a helpful component for treatment. Um, it can kind of quiet some of those things to help you focus on the, some of the core things that need to be healed. Amen to all that. That was great. Uh, I would uh, just to shortly add um, to be discerning and careful with who you talk to. Um, yeah. Um, just as a loving shepherd to you, uh, when people have the term doctor or professional, we tend to like put a lot of weight. Okay, then you know what you're talking about. Um, but there are people that have a secular mindset and worldview. There are lots of psychiatrists and doctors and counselors who. Um, who merely view things in light of uh, secular psychology. So they don't have any framework for the soul, for idolatry, for demonic activity, uh, for any of that. You are just a body, you are just a collection of chemicals. And therefore, if you have these symptoms, then you just need a quick fix, this medicine to fix your body. Um, and so I, I would, 
be discerning about who you talk to and view someone who has a similar worldview as you, uh, someone who can ask you the right questions, get into your heart, ask about your past, what suffering has contributed to your heart, what, what maybe even sin and unbelief is rooted in your heart, like, like mine as well, all of us here, uh, and help untangle those things in your heart to help you discern, oh, this is why I'm so anxious. It's rooted in grief. It's rooted in uh, the fact that I fear rejection so much and maybe I, and I can grow in that. And so, um, but medication can be a helpful tool, tool at some point because it may, it may be a physical uh, ailment that medication can help me or even clear up your mind so that you can get in a place and posture yourself to think clearly um, and engage with those thoughts in your heart, in your mind. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good word. And I, and I, to speak to just both realities, like I would encourage you to not be so quick about asking for medication. Like don't, don't be, I wouldn't move so quickly towards uh, pharmaceutical help. And, and part of that reason is from a secular perspective, and, and this is, I don't want to insult the psychology world, but uh, they do, psychologists and psychiatrists, they, they do move people towards medication very quickly. Um, and, and part of that, and part of that reality is because they recognize can't help. Like I can't, no amount of talk therapy is going to help you. So here's this thing that will hopefully make life just a little bit better. Um, and so as a Christian, you, you do have a much more potent thing than a pill. You have the Holy Spirit. You have God himself. Like he desires to work with you in through that. Um, so I would say, I would caution to, to not so quickly move into that. Um, but this per, the other person asked, is it sinful to take a prescribed medication. And I, I think the answer for, for that is in it, the pill in and of itself is not the sin, it's, it's the posture of your heart. Why? Is it because you don't believe that God can? Is it because you're unwilling to wrestle? Because sometimes, even as young adults, we're like, I just don't wanna deal with it, so I'll take this. Whereas like, no, you're, sometimes you, you have to deal with what's ailing you. You have to, you have to battle those if we call, I mean, we, it's not vernacular, but not demons, but literally like just those inner wounds, you have to battle those thoughts. You have to, you know, we have to learn how to be resilient. And I think as young adults, just as a culture, we're not a resilient people. So we just like, okay, the easy way out is then to, to jump on the pill and, and as, a, as your pastor, but even as a friend, I, I would say, man, like God desires to help you grow in resilience. He desires to help heal you by the same token if there is a way to help you through that, it can be sometimes uh, medication. So it's just to have a balanced view of not moving so quickly to it, but it's not sinful if you do end up taking it either. Um, I'll, you know, I'm happy to talk about it afterward to the person who um, asked the question. Um, we have a few minutes left. Um, and so we're in the last section. Um, there's four good questions. How do I pick? Any, mini money, mo? Um, Okay, you, you've kind of talked, you just briefly, briefly kind of hovered over it, but, but and anyone could talk to this. Uh, what's the relationship between mental health disorders and demonic activity? This one is always really favorite, like a, fun, a fan favorite in my classes in school. Because sometimes every, anything can seem like it's demonic activity, but like how would you discern that? Um, both clinically, experientially, pastorally, Satan is real and much of mental unhealthiness is due in fact to demonic oppression. Um, and even in some believers out there like 
possession. Um, but not everything is Satan. Not everything is demonic. Um, and so I think there are lots of Christian circles which over-spiritualize things and over-diagnose as a demonic thing. And it's not always the case. There's a lot of questions that we need to ask. There's a lot of discerning and praying that we need to do. Um, and so... Yeah, it's a very real thing that we shouldn't dismiss. We shouldn't under-spiritualize it, but we also shouldn't over-spiritualize it and make it about everything. I think we need to think biblically think and think slowly and ask the right questions, pray and discern and ask for God's wisdom and discerning what is actually going on in the heart. It's, it takes a lot of wisdom. The Bible says in Proverbs, like it takes like, so much wisdom to draw out of the heart what's going on inside of you. Um, and so just, yeah, a lot of questions that need work there. Have and you a, ever, a quick answer. Have you ever sat with someone and you thought, oh, this person is or oppressed or possessed? The, the times where I have had this feeling of, of like, a, like when I'm sitting with someone and I just feel this very spiritual darkness is typically when this person is very active into witchcraft and the sort and the like. Um, I work with people who believe all different types of things and all sorts of things and, you know, we hold space for that. But, I mean, I, you know, a lot of times I really do think that sometimes things might get not over-spiritualized, but, you know, people will come in and just say, I just don't have enough faith. I just, this, I'm like, oh, it might not be that you don't have enough faith. Like, it's actually because, like, you were, like, had a ton of trauma in your childhood. Like, maybe let's mm. work on that. Mm. Mm. Um, and I don't ever say it like that. But, um, uh, yeah, so I, I will <laughs> <Sorry>. say... <laughs> imagine you saying anything like that. <laughs> yeah, is the inner You're just a very sweet person, so I can't imagine you ever saying, yeah, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. But um, so I, I, just to kind of say that kind of delicately, it's just whenever someone is like actively involved in um, things that do invite more demonic spiritual presences, that's the time when I feel that heaviness in the room. And it's, it's kind of weird to be like, oh, I just feel it, you know, but it's like, oh, it's just that mm. feeling mm. in the room. But mm. yeah, a lot of times... You know, there's usually a background, a link and stuff like that. And it's just holding people's hands as they walk through that and not mm. necessarily being like, well, if you just prayed more, this wouldn't have happened. You know, there's verses um, just because these encouraged me this week and maybe it'll encourage someone in here. Um, it's in Psalm maybe 94. It's just, I took a picture of my Bible, so I don't know the chapter. Um, it said, when I said my foot is slipping, your love, O Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. So this is when the authors act, I don't know if it was Dave or not, um, but he's like actively struggling. Like when he said his foot is slipping, like God wasn't like, well, you should have stepped in a better place. You know, if you'd just prayed harder or planned better, this wouldn't have happened. But it says his love supported him. And when anxiety was great, not like when you're like, oh, I'm a little worried. It was like when it's great within him, the Lord was there consoling him. And that's what brought joy and comfort to him. So I don't know, I just kind of, mm. with the mm. spiritual aspects, I sometimes I think people think it furthers them from, from God when God is really drawing people in and like, he just wants to like love on them in a sense to use that vernacular. But mm. yeah, so. That's kind of my thought. Yeah, uh, just something practical. Um, so I think we can, can, I think we can complicate this when it comes to like is schizophrenia or all these like things that feel chaotic. Um, the way someone's been really helpful for me in terms of how Christians or even non or non-believers interact with demons is remember uh, what is another name for Satan? What's he called? The father of what? 
Father of lies. So his minions, would you imagine, primarily speak what? Lies, right? And so more often than not, what demonic activity ends up being exhibited is when we, be, when we tie ourselves or uh, what some people call come into agreement with the lies of the enemy. Um, there's, a, there's a podcast you can listen to. There's a guy named Adam Young. I don't support everything he says, uh, but there's a good portion um, in, his, in his podcast, not just on um, demonic activity, but he, he has this conversation about what does it look like to break agreements with these lies in which, because the reality is demons do not have authority over us. Demons do not have authority over really anything. Uh, like Jesus on the cross took all authority away from Satan and his minions. So he's conquered all those things. And so anytime, we get, anytime they have authorities because we've given them authority um, in our lives, uh, uh, Jeff likes to say this uh, example. Um, if you know Jeff Crean, get to know him. He's a good dude. He can teach you to play golf. I don't know. I've, I'm stuck at golf. I should go for lessons. Let's go, let's go next week. Um, but he, has this, he, he gave me this um, illustration. Um, if you've ever watched any horror movies with vampires, can, do you, vampires, I, you know, it's just lore. I don't know how true this is. I don't even know vampires are real. But vampires cannot enter into your home unless you what? unless you invite them in. Some of y'all like Halloween, I bet. So, so you know that. So if it's that same thought is as much as, and how we interact with demons. They have no authority in our lives until we say, oh yeah, I, I believe that lie. And then you build your life upon that lie and then, we, and then it wreaks havoc. And so interestingly, um, and this is why church history matters, because usually when, when you come to, to saving faith in Christ, what's typically the first thing you do like in a corporate setting? You get baptized, right? So you get dunked in the water. In church history, yeah, just put them in there. So in church history, before they dunked you, they had you read the creed, meaning they, they had you read like, this is who Jesus is, this is what I believe about God. And then, they, then the, the pastor, whomever would, would, before they baptized them, they made the person make the statement saying, I renounce or I disapprove or I disconnect from, from the devil, his schemes, his minions, and his lies. Because there was a, there's a point in as you walk as a Christian in this life that you have to break agreement with the world. You break agreement with the lies of the enemy. You break agreement with anything that is not of God and his scriptures. And so in that sense, we too, even though outside of baptism, we do that daily. We do it where we just break agreement. I do not believe this because of, what, of, of who I am in Christ, because I belong to Jesus, because of my union with him. That is my truth. That is my identity. It's not that I've created it. It is who I am, who, who he is in and through me. And so like when we think, I would encourage you, when you think about mental disorders and demonic activity, it doesn't have to be the exorcist. It's not that you're like climbing up the walls, your head's turning backwards and you go, ah. No, sometimes the most simple demonic activity is that you have bought into a lie that you had no business buying into. And Jesus says, it's very simple. It's very simple. You ha I've given you authority to not have to believe that. Truth, trust, trust my truth, not those truths. Those fake, they're not truths, they're fake. So, so, so if you're here and you're like, man, I, I think that might be me. I can encourage you tonight. You can come for prayer. I'm happy to, we can talk through it. There's no magic formula. It's a simple repentance of turning yourself to saying, no, that is no longer the thing I believe, but I believe in the truth of my savior, Jesus Christ. 
and you will, I can, I can promise you, you will experience levels of freedom tonight, tonight, that you may never have experienced before. Not because it's a magic formula, not because you have the, the power and authority, but because of the one who has given you the power and authority, which is Jesus. In his presence, demons flee. It is his blood that makes you whole and healed. It is him upon which we, there is no other name in heaven and on earth upon which you receive salvation other than Jesus. So I'm gonna end with that. There is great things. Can I share a quick funny story? It's like, it's like 20 seconds, 20 bet. seconds. I bet with that. I was too- Before I was a Christian, I was 17 years old. A friend of mine was like, hey, have you seen the, the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose? And I was like, nah, what's that? And uh, I had like no spiritual background whatsoever. And he tells me like what the story's about. And uh, I was like freaked out. I was like, bro, that happens to people? And he was like, he was like, yeah, bro, it's based on a true story. I kid you not. I'm sitting here right now, Christian, because that was based on a true story. Damn. Yeah, no, I, I was scared, bro. I was like, I don't want no demons in my life. So I called my friend of the basketball team. I went to church the next day. <laughs> I heard the gospel, bro. And I have now full power and authority over all demonic activity. Praise God. Dang. So. Not today, Satan. Not today. <laughs> I got a sweater with that on my back. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I don't even know how to finish after that. That's the best ending I could have ever thought That's of. That's the invitation. Thank Come you, on bro. with me, bro. Yeah. Trust Jesus, bro. No, yeah. no Basically, fear. tonight, go watch. Actually, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> not that, not that. Let's not, let's not. Uh, if, if, like I said, if, if there are any questions that we, if you submitted a question, uh, it, it most likely was on this list. You just couldn't get to it tonight. It is a little after nine, so I want to honor and respect that time. Um, there is a question here upon which I'm not going to speak to necessarily, but I, I think it will end our time. This person said, can you speak about comments like having enough faith in regards to healing my mental health struggles? Here, here's, a, here's a reality that I kind of just want to leave us with. God desires for you to have healing in your life. Okay. God desires for those things for you. Now, some of those things won't happen on this side of heaven, okay? Now, it doesn't mean you don't pray for it. It doesn't mean you don't ask him for it. It just means you continually say, I- I'm gonna trust you even if this doesn't happen. I'm gonna, con- con- I'm gonna submit myself. I'm gonna, uh, like, like Kevin, uh, like I have a low, like technically speaking, um, I have what's called GAD, which is Generalized Anxiety Disorder. Um, in the last few years, it's gotten much better than in the past. But I function on what's called a low-grade level of anxiety. Um, I think much of it, like Paul, Paul says, I have a thorn on my side. And I've asked God multiple times, would you, would you heal me? Would you heal me? Would you heal me? And Paul said that Jesus said, I'm not gonna take this from you uh, because in your weakness, my strength is perfected. Okay. There, there's a level of reality where I just, I just I'm not saying do not pray. Pray, ask God in faith, trusting his character that he desires good for you and wants healing for you and wholeness for you. But if that does not come, ask him, what then are you trying to show me? Because I'm gonna be honest with you, if it weren't for that low grade level of anxiety, there would be an arrogance in my heart. There would be a, a, a level of, I don't need God. I don't need him. But because of this thorn in my side, I daily have to like sit with him and say, God, I literally will not be able to get through today if you're not in my presence, if I'm not in your presence. If you don't show up, I just shouldn't leave the house. If you don't show up, I can't talk to people. If you don't show up, my anxiety will have the best of me. If you don't show up, like literally, God, if you don't show up. And so I think I wanna 
I wanna leave you both the hope of the reality that God loves you, God cares for you, and God can heal you. And some of you have experienced that. And I I would imagine as we pray tonight, some of you will experience some of that healing. But then there are some where you're like, okay, God didn't do it today. So either he's unfaithful or he doesn't care. Those are both lies. He is immensely faithful and he immensely cares. But if you walk out of the space being like, man, the healing didn't happen tonight. Just ask Jesus, what do you wanna show me through this? What do you wanna show me through this? What do you want to show me through this? And sometimes, and this is a random thought that I had, sometimes he doesn't take it away from you, not because he doesn't want to take it away from you, but because the thing that is causing it in you needs to be dispelled in your life. And some of you have anxiety or depression because you let people run all over you, because you're in a relationship you have no business being in, that you are watching things and engaging in things that are not good for your heart and soul. You're reading things and being on social media, doom scrolling for hours upon days. And God's like saying, you want me to take this thing out of your life, but the root of it, you need to get, out, you need to get it out. You want me to do this miracle in your life, but you don't need a miracle. You just need self-discipline. You don't need a miracle. You just need to break up with that person. You don't need a miracle. You just need to end some ties that you've had and some unhealthy relationships. Sometimes the miracle is the simple act of just obedience. The guy be like, oh, I, I just shouldn't be in that. And so just know it's, it's multi, multifaceted. And I just had those thoughts. Anyway, I'm gonna pray for us. Um, can we just give a hand to our panelists? Thank you all. Yeah, you can, I'll I'll invite you off the stage. I don't want to share it with you anymore. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, Listen, um, we know that this conversation is uh, is difficult to have. It can be. um, But we here at Mosaic Young Adults, uh, we don't want to answer the questions that we think you're asking. We want to answer the questions that you're really asking. We want to address the things that you're really walking through and struggling with. And so um, thank you for those of you who submitted those questions. Thank you for honestly answering them. Thank you for our panelists for answering them honestly. Um, But before we leave, uh, we're gonna, we're, to my right, we're gonna have people who are ready and able to pray with you. Like, listen, we believe in the power of prayer. Uh, we believe that prayer moves the hand of God, that we, we truly believe that, that, we, that we enter into the heart of our Father uh, through the power of prayer. And so we, we want to pray with you. We want to ask that God would heal you. We would ask that God would restore you. We would ask that God would alleviate the depression, that God would mo- remove the scales from your eyes, that he would, remo- he would redeem your mind, that he would uh, remove the anxiety. We, 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 we wanna pray that with you. But before we do that, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, we're gonna pray together. And if you're here and you're like, man, I, I'm good, then, then I would ask that you would pray for the others in the room. And if you're, the, if you're one of those people who are like, hey, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. I can tell you this right now. The prerequisite for God's help are people who are desperate. If you are desperate for healing, hope, redemption and restoration. That's you. You don't have to raise your hand. I'm not, it's like some kind of altar call. Just you know who you are as we pray. I just want you to say, say to God, listen, I need you. And if you don't show up, if you don't show up, God, I don't know what else to do. Have that honest prayer. And I truly believe the Holy Spirit will begin to minister, to administer beauty, powerful presence in your heart. Let's pray. Father, I present your children back onto you. 
Mosaic Young Adults is your community. Mosaic Church is your church. You're the head of this church. All power and authority has been given unto you, Lord Jesus. And so we come to you not as a co-pilot. We, we come to you not as just some friend, to some, some wise teacher, some sage, some counselor. We, we come to you as the king over all creation. We come to you as the creator of all things. We come to you as the one who spilled your blood and broke your body so that we would have wholeness and redemption. God, I present this community unto you. God, I ask that you would begin to do whatever you need to do in the hearts of these young adults. God, of those here who are struggling with anxiety, God, I pray that you would, or depression, God, I pray that you would help them see the roots of their anxiety and the root of their depression. To begin to wrestle with their hearts, Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Reveal to them the lies that they have bought and allow them to break agreement. God, I pray that, that they would be able to receive truth tonight, that they, that they would actually be able to step closer to you. God, I pray that they would move into intimacy with you. As you say in James chapter four, you say uh, that you draw near to those who, are draw, who draw near to you. So Father, help them draw near to you. Because in your presence, darkness will flee. In your presence, the demons tremble. As we grow closer to you, Father, we, all the things, all the weightiness and chains that seek to hold us back will begin to disintegrate. So God, please bring young mosaic young adults deeper into your presence. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this space. We invite you into this space. Come, Holy Spirit, and minister to the children of God. Dispense your power Dispense your presence. Dispense your, your counseling wisdom and words over this community. And God, we ask in faith that you would bring healing and restoration. God, I pray against any demonic activity. God, I pray against any demonic thought and presence. God, we pray against depression. We, we pray against anxiety. We pray against any mental disorders, Lord, because you are the God of all healing. You can bring healing and you can do it tonight. Father, we love you. We trust you. We depend on you and we so desperately need you. Help us walk in your truth. Help us walk in your ways. Help us chase only after Jesus for only Jesus has the words of life in your name we pray amen thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast our hope for you is that Jesus will use this message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him if you want to hear more messages like this one please feel free to check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes